Hey friends, we want to welcome you to church this morning. This is an incredibly exciting Sunday for us because the New Life community is branching out into the city of champions in Brockton, Massachusetts as of today. Let's go. We'll give you guys a minute to make some noise. We are so excited to be branching out. And so because of that, Pastor Marco is actually preaching there live right now. But due to the beauty of technology, we're also able to have him here with us today. So we want to do something special with you guys today. We want to do an episode of Ask Pastor, and we want to get you guys ready for our next sermon series titled Pursuing Meaning. It's going to be a journey through the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's also going to set us up for our final crew season of this year. So with all that being said, Pastor, you ready to jump in? Let's do it. First of all, good morning, everyone. You're going to have an amazing day in God's house. Uh, it's amazing that technology allows us to be in two places at the same time. How awesome is that? Absolutely. So with that being said, let's start with the most obvious question. Out of every book we could pick, why Ecclesiastes for pursuing meaning? Well, it all started when um, I began to see some things in our society that really kind of disturbed me. Uh, personally, uh, there's a crisis of existence in our society right now. There's a crisis of meaning and purpose. Um, I read something recently that just really alarmed me, that the cause of death has changed a little bit, where suicide has surpassed heart attacks in cause of death, which is extremely alarming to think about especially the fact that we live in one of the greatest nations in the world. Why is it that people are choosing to take their own lives, right? The only explanation is that there's a crisis of existence. People don't have meaning. They don't have purpose. And the reality is it's hitting people from all walks of life. Uh, sadly enough, uh, some of those people are pastors, um, people prominent in society, people well off in society. So it's not just... A specific uh, demographic, but it's hitting all demographics everywhere. People are really struggling with who they are and why they're here, right? And so um, that's my heart desire is to help all of us elevate our perspective, our thinking, and prayfully that the Holy Spirit will meet us and help us see that, man, there's so much meaning, there's so much purpose. And the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is going to help us wrestle with all of that in a very real, sobering way. Yeah, I think you mentioning doing your studies and reading, there was actually a study during the middle of the pandemic, and it was the number one most Googled question. And one of the top three questions was, why am I here? What are we doing? What's, what's going to happen? Right? Yeah, think about it, right? There's the, the, what we went through was unprecedented, right? We used that word over and over again, but it was. Like, we never, as a country, but as a, as a world, we haven't had a major pandemic that way, you know, in a long time. I mean, people have experienced that in the past. So for us, it really is, it rocked us to the core of our being uh, that it really made people question. And we're talking, again, I want to make sure this is clear. We're talking people from all walks of life. People with faith were questioning. People without faith were questioning. So I think it's a universal longing right now to figure out what's the point. Why are we here? So I think some context for Ecclesiastes would matter for any of us who haven't read it or, or even if we haven't read it in a long time. So I would ask, who wrote the book and why was it written? What's the theme, the message? What's the point of it? 
Yeah, so it's interesting because when you, when you do some digging, you, you find that it starts by saying he, he kind of identifies himself, but he doesn't give you his name. He just says the preacher um, wrote these things or thought about these things. Um, and he comes from the line of David as a king. And so most people assume that he was King Solomon. And most uh, of the research kind of attributes that to King Solomon. It would make sense when you begin to read the book and then know his life and his experience that this is a man reflecting over his journey, over his life, um, you know, being so young at age, becoming a king and having all the means in the world to, f- to pursue all the things we think life is about. But he opens the book with the famous quote, vanity, vanity is all vanity, right? Meaningless. In other words, he's reflecting, and this is him later in life reflecting over the years of all the things that he has gotten to do. Again, being in a position to be able to do and to accomplish so much, but still feel like, man, a lot of it is just empty. It's just meaningless. Why? Because without the proper understanding and the proper focus of a creator, of a God who does give us life, if we try to do anything outside of that and try to live life on our own, uh, at the end of the day, it just feels like it's very meaningless. So when, when I hear the word meaning, I think it's really interchangeable with calling, purpose, design, right? And I think especially in Christian circles or in general Christian communities, we get really tripped up on that word because you even said it this past Sunday when you preached, you've been waiting years to be told you're going to be a pastor. You're, you're called or your purpose is to be one, right? So I would love to ask, what can all of us expect out of this series? Because it'd be really easy to go, I'm going to get my dream job when I, when I finish this process, or I'm going to become like the dream parent or the rock star, you know, fill in the blank. But, but what can we expect out of it going through it? Well, prepare yourself to be challenged in your thinking and in these, some of these misconceptions and these uh, approaches to life that sometimes sounds like cookie cutter as opposed to the reality of it, like the journey. I think that's my favorite word for life is a journey, right? It's a very thinking book. Like it's going to really challenge a lot of notions, preconceived notions that we all kind of have about life. And that's why I think he starts that way, meaningless, almost like the shock your system, <laughs> like yeah. hopefully wake you up to the reality of like, hey, wh- what are you really doing? What are you really accomplishing? Uh, also, it's filled with wise counsel. It's part of what we call the wisdom books in, in the Bible, right? They're... Um, Proverbs is another one. Actually, I would say we should go from Ecclesiastes to Proverbs or read them, even read them together because they go together in a sense um, to try to give you the true wisdom in life, which Proverbs, the heart of Proverbs is what? It's, it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, right? And that word fear there is a healthy understanding, a healthy reverence and respect for God is actually how you really start to live a life of meaning and purpose. Uh, and so he gives you basically a, a, a template for understanding how to have a biblical worldview, right? How to really live from a perspective of there's a creator, and he gives me meaning, he gives me purpose, and, but he has to be at the center of everything. So part of it is to demolish the, the perspective of doing life without that perspective of God being at the center of it. So in other words, a deeper understanding of what it means to be eternal beings with eternal perspective versus the temporary, right? Because that's, we get caught up a lot in the temporary and we lose the perspective of the eternal. Um, and, then, and then how to live here, but not getting used to here because we're citizens of another 
realm that we call heaven. Heaven not just being a place, but being a state of mind of how we go about the, the, the life that we live in an imperfect setting. Right. Right. This world is imperfect, and we're imperfect. So the whole struggle starts already from the inside. You know, that tension that we feel already that something's wrong, not just with the world, but something's wrong with me. You know, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna unpack a lot. And I think a lot of times we feel, and I, I know I can say this for me, I'll feel external forces or things kind of putting pressure on me, but the reality is most of that stuff is coming from a place that there's something wrong with me, so I want to go out and find something to satisfy me, right? Whether you think about addiction or coping, we would say something on the outside is getting to me. But the reality is that stuff is what we're pulling in because there's something in us that feels off or we feel tangled up, we feel, we feel twisted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's the struggle, right? The struggle is, is it, it starts inwardly. But if I'm not aware of that, right, if I'm not in tune with the reality that I have a soul that longs for the one who created me, then I'm going to be longing for that in the wrong ways. Addiction is just the wrong longing, you know? It's like we end up being addicted to something because we're longing for actually the very things that God is trying to give us or create us for. But when we're not in tune with him, then we end up, you know, going for other things that becomes almost like a replacement, right, of the real thing, the fugazi version, the bootleg version of the real thing. And so that's the struggle we all are. And that's why I keep reiterating that it hits people from all walks of life because, you know, when I hear pastors committing suicide, what is that, right? What does that come from? It comes from, I think, a place of like replacing God with ministry, replacing God with what success looks like when it comes to ministry. For some people, it's money. For some people, it's sex. For some people, uh, it ends up being drugs or alcohol. Why? Because we're trying to somehow find meaning, find purpose, and we end up numbing the pain, end up being just a less version of ourselves, a a shell version of the real thing. So I would love to pull back the curtain a little bit and ask, how do you prepare and come up with the sermon series, right? The last few series we've done, we did James, which was a lot about maturity and wisdom. We did a series this, uh, this past springtime called Growing Into Maturity, right? We've done Emotionally Healthy Spirituality over the last eight weeks. So it feels like there's a, there's a very big pull to go and grow deeper, both individually and as a community. So as our pastor, how do you prepare for that? What, what gets you in the frame of mind and, and say, okay, this is, the, this is the path we're going to go down for the next several weeks or months or what have you? Yeah, I think it starts with um, being in prayer, and trying to be in tune with what I believe God's trying to lead us as a community. So the, the big question is, God, what are you doing in our community, right? I always say that there's the challenge is to discern between what's personal and what's corporate, right? So as a pastor, my heart's desire is to always be in tune with God for the greater community, right? So always asking that question, God, what, what is best for your people right now, you know? And be able to pull myself out of the equation to see the bigger picture uh, so I don't get in the way of what I want versus what is God trying to do with all of us, right? And like I said, part of, for this time around with this series was just just being in tune with what's going on with our society and, and, and hearing this lack of meaning, lack of purpose, crisis of, of his existence, and then seeing that it's affecting everyone. 
And, and so I felt strongly that this is the direction that I feel like God's leaning us towards uh, to pursue him and then finding what we're really looking for, which is, you know, meaning and purpose. And then from there, the research begins, you know, of trying once again to read, read scriptures, uh, read commentaries, read books, uh, as much as I can get my hands on things to hopefully be well prepared. Like the goal is that every time I go into a message is to have more than I need, you know, to be able to like now pull back and say, what do we actually need as a community, right? Um, so a lot of research, a lot of reading, a lot of praying. And then there's two major questions that I always ask as I'm preparing week to week is, is, the, is the two questions. One is the information question. What do we need to really know? Because one of the struggles we're going to talk about is the fact that we have information overload. We don't know what to do with information, yeah. right? And that's part of, I think, the, the crisis that we're facing is that we have so much information. We just don't know what to do with it. So for me, it's like, what is the right information for this particular week that we need to focus on? Right? And then the second question is the application question is, what do we need to do because of this information? Yeah. Right? Because it's one thing to have information. It's another thing to know what to do with it. Like we talk about so much about knowledge and wisdom. And this is a wisdom book. Right? It's not just telling you, here's the information. It's trying to tell you, here's how, what to do with that information that's been given to you. And then lastly for me is, is it practical? Right? Because again, I don't want to be some elusive things out there. But it's like, okay, but what is one clear next step that we can all take to help us really ground ourselves in him and in the purpose and meaning that he has for us. So in a nutshell, that's kind of the process that I go through. No, it makes a lot of sense. So let's close with this. For all of us, how can we get the most out of this journey that we're going to go through in Ecclesiastes? You have to take personal ownership, right? It, it, it starts there. Each person has to take ownership to say, I want God, to know you. I want more of you. I want to be teachable, right? I want to be moldable. So that starts with that personal ownership where each day I'm trying to get better, right? So it starts with each person taking a, a hold of this thing and begin to read it on their own, right? And I just wait for Sunday to come around, but to create a flow, a rhythm. We've been talking a lot about this, especially with the emotionally healthy discipleship is create a rhythm for yourself where your soul can thrive, right? Not just survive. So, so today, everyone's getting a journal, right, to go with this series. And what is the purpose of that? Is that you can sit with yourself during the week, right, to be able to, you know, go back and reread the chapter we're on, right, and see, okay, God, what is it that you're trying to speak to me personally uh, this week? And what is it that I need to do because of what I've been, uh, been revealed to me personally, right? Um, so you got to take personal ownership. But then there's a communal aspect to this, right? Everything that we do, everything that God talks about, there's a personal and a communal side of it. And a lot of times I think that the disconnect is that we're doing life alone, right? We're, we're trying to figure it out all on our own. And one of the struggles of existence, meaning, is when you isolate yourself, then you're depriving yourself of other people's perspective, feedback, and approach that could I honestly could take away a lot of that pressure if we just get around other people who are trying to do life with. And that's where crews come into play. Like, this is the beginning of a new crew season. I can't stress that enough. Like, I don't care who you are, where your life is, join a crew today, right? Because we need to do life together. God intended for us to do life together. From the beginning, the first, one of the first things he established is not good for humanity to be alone, right? So I crews are so critical, so important for us to be able to have a place to go and ask questions, right? 
um, be able to say, hey, I read it, but I don't get it, yeah. right? Um, or I think I get it, but what do you guys think? You know what I mean? That's another thing that will keep us from a lot of trouble <laughs> if we can ask feedback from other people. Right. Uh, but ask questions, be able to pray with each other, be able to unpack the messages on Sunday together, be able to have strength. The Ecclesiastes talks about that. There's strength in numbers. The cords of three strings, well, it's not easily broken, right? So that's the beauty of this thing. If we can really own in and say, hey, let's, let me take personal ownership, but let me get in around other men and women that are on the same journey as me and see what God leads us together. And to encourage all of us, whether you're here in the room or whether you're watching online, we want to let you guys know that we're at over 70 crews at this point. So I promise there is a crew for you, right? Whether you're single, dating, married, whether you want to just get with a group of guys, one of the biggest benefits we've had this past year has been doing uh, radical mentoring. Um, so no matter what stage of life you are at, there is absolutely a crew for you to join today. And I actually want to conclude by reading the conclusion of the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to start with the end in mind uh, as we conclude today. I want to read to you Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. This is how the book ends. In other words, we're going to start with the end and work our way back. Right? Here's how he concludes the book. He says, that's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obeys commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. So I love that, that, he, that he, he says, listen, at the end of the day, it's about having this like holy reverence and respect for the one who created you. And he's already given you a blueprint. He says, if you obey him, you will live well and you will live blessed, not free from, from pain and suffering. That's not the promises. The promises that this creator will be with you, giving you meaning, giving you purpose, even in suffering, even in difficult times. And so I'm excited to be able to dig into this starting next week. But today, so critical that your next step, first of all, is, is this God really the center of your life? If not, Make that decision today. Make that choice today to, to invite him into your life, right? When we say invite Jesus into your life, it's not a one-time prayer, right? It's not. That's not. The, the purpose is not that. That's just the initial thing to say, I'm inviting you into my life. But it's to follow him. It's to follow in his will and his, in his desires for your life. And, and part of that desire is that he wants you to be in community. He wants you to be part of a group of people who are doing life together. So sign up for a crew today. That's your next step. If you're looking for a sign, this is it. This is your sign. Join a crew. Let's do life together. And let's see what God will take us all together. So at this point, uh, Dre is going to come up and, and, and help us kind of understand how to go about joining a crew. And then he's going to open up a time of prayer. And we can't wait to see what God's going to do this season. Love you guys. And uh, so thankful for every single one of you because every single one of you matter to God.